Mini episode 1303 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1303. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here, and I have my very good friend and fellow FDH Lounge original dignitary Chris Galloway with me. We are looking at the NFC at midseason in this very, very weird year of 2020. The previous segment, of course, that we did was the AFC at midseason. Go check that out if you want to hear our macro-level thoughts on the league at midseason in terms of how they've been dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak, the fact that offenses have been far ahead of defenses. Uh, we, we addressed that basically on a league-wide basis uh, at the start of that one here. That said, that allows us just to jump into the divisions here, and uh, the first one that we are going to be looking at, as we do sort of traditionally here with the format, the NFC East, which is absolutely historically bad. I will say, and uh, to refer everyone to uh, our weekly power rankings, the FDH Lounge Multimedia Magazine, the fdhlounge.blogspot.com, one of the things that I do is I add up the points in every division as far as the rankings of the teams, right? So the lower the number, the better. The NFC West and the AFC North have had very low cumulative numbers through the year. The AFC, or the, I'm sorry, the NFC East has been horrific. Uh, this is one of the weeks where the average, or where the total number comes out over 100, which would tell you that the average team in the division is probably around 25th in the league. That's how bad this is. This division is just, just shite, really. Uh, Philadelphia leads it at 3-4-1. and one. And I picked Philly at the beginning of the year, but I'm not going to feel any vindication whatsoever because I really didn't think it was going to be winning this thing by default. Washington at 2-5, and five, maybe slightly better than what we thought they were going to be at this point, even in a bad division. But again, probably that's just who they've been playing as far as getting victories. Dallas at 2-6. and six. Uh, Chris had mentioned uh, during our previous segment here uh, the Browns about how the Browns had lost their games by getting physically manhandled, among other things. What does it tell you about Dallas that the Browns physically manhandled them in the trenches, as Chris correctly had predicted they were going to do? Dallas, even before Prescott went down, they were a lost cause. And the Giants at 1-7 and seven are exactly what I said they were. Danny Dimes is a fraud. All the Giants fans who thought he was better than expected are a fraud. They're all frauds. This division's a fraud. That, that other than that term, Chris, I don't have anything more to say about this division. Rick, say nothing else about this division. It's <laughs> absolute garbage, and they do not deserve our attention, our time, or our focus. Moving on to the NFC North. I just want to mention on a side note here, there was, I don't remember who, I, I, I'd blast them by name if I remembered, somebody from CBSSports.com speculated that the Eagles could win their home playoff game that they would have as the four seed. Can you even fathom this? I can fathom it, but I hate them. It's a terrible division. Stop talking about them. <laughs> Give right. them clicks. 
Yes. Don't give them clicks. They do not deserve our clicks, our oxygen, or our words. Moving on to the yes. NFC North, a pox upon the NFC House. Yes, they, they are trolls, and F the networks for subjecting us to them in prime time as much as they have and as much as they will. In the NFC North, it is Green Bay atop at 6-2. and two. I think a lot of people probably would have predicted that. Chicago at 5-3. and three. Uh, I had them as a, a playoff team this year. Uh, good old hipster Ricky calling this one, potentially. Uh, the offense has still not been uh, what I thought it would be. Uh, it, I, I thought they'd go to Foles. I thought they would improve. They improved somewhat off of where they were, but not much. But 5-3, uh, and three, they are right in the mix. Detroit at 3-4, and four, well, hell, that's a team I said 2-14 and because I predicted a Bill O'Brien-like collapse for Matt Patricia. They've already uh, surpassed my win total for the year, so mea culpa on that, but I still think this is the year that gets Matt Patricia fired. Minnesota at 2-5, and five, uh, look, the Bears were a surprise to a lot of people. Minnesota's a surprise to a lot of people for being this bad. I, I know that a lot of people looked at this as being a transitional year. They lost a decent amount of parts defensively. And I know a lot of times when we say transitional year in the league, that can turn into a worse year than anybody expects. And I think we've seen that a little bit with Minnesota. Mike Zimmer could potentially be on the hot seat. I think that'd be a mistake. I think he's a top coach in this league. But uh, outside of that shocking win over Green Bay, which was completely inexplicable to me, uh, they have had just an awful, awful year. So the NFC North, I had said when we were doing the AFC division by division, Chris, that the NFC, a little bit more predictable or unpredictable division by division, and I feel like this is a good example of that right there, that uh, Green Bay being at the top, yeah, we probably could have seen that coming, but the other elements, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, you know, if you recall, I think we both picked Green Bay. That was obvious. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, I think Chicago, I still don't believe in them through eight games because I look at three of those games and they could, the three of those wins could have so easily and probably should have been losses. Um, and, and so they are living up the bubble. That defense is what we thought it would be very good, but that offense is dreadful. I don't care if it's Trubisky or Foles or what. It's just not, it's not been good. Um, I predicted the Lions to be a playoff bubble team. I had them, I think, at 8 8. Is that what I had them at? I, yes. It was somewhere right around there. I had, I had them sneaking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a believer if Matt Stafford could stay healthy that they were going to be a pretty good, uh, an improved team. Um, I, I think Stafford has been healthy, but. He's not been as sharp as I thought he would be, and I'm, I'm starting to wonder if you know, maybe now we're seeing the beginning of the end of Matt Stafford's career. Um, he's just not been the old Matty, and right. I'm kind of wondering about that. Um, so, I mean, other than really Minnesota just tanking out, bottoming out, cratering, this division is kind of about where we thought. I mean, I thought it would be Chicago. I thought Detroit would edge out Chicago for second I'm sorry, I, for that third place spot, right. I had Chicago last, and I had Minnesota second, nipping at the heels of Green Bay. I didn't see them. I knew they were missing a lot of parts, and we talked about that. Um, God, maybe they missed Stefanski more than we understood. Uh, because they, Kirk Cousins doesn't look good at all. Uh, they just, uh, I'm not going to put much stock in that Green Bay game um, versus what they've been all season. And they have not been good. So, you know, the, 
it's not that far off of what we predicted, really. I mean, Green Bay, I think we all thought Minnesota would be second, and it just it hasn't worked out that way. I thought Detroit would be a little better than Chicago. I thought Chicago was going to be the Minnesota, basically. Um, so that's really the only the only difference on what I had envisioned. Well, uh, but, we're, you know, we're only halfway through. That could still play out. It could, and as far as it goes with Detroit... I mean, Stafford is 12 years in the league, has taken a great amount of punishment, so it's not entirely a who-could-have-seen kind of a situation there. I mean, the guy's in his 30s already, so. No, I know. I just, I, I looked back at last year, and and, and that, in that first year in Bevel's offense last year, until he got hurt, what was it, six games did he play? Right. I'm trying to remember. Um, he, I mean, his numbers were amazing. Right. And I thought... I thought we were going to get that Matt Stafford and Daryl Bevel offense back this year with some new weapons that they've added, and I thought, okay, this will be good. I mean, like, he'll, he'll come back, and what I saw in those six games last season, I mean, I, I was like, this could be a great offense, and, and they could threaten for the playoffs, and it just, they haven't, they haven't looked like a team that's clicked on all cylinders in any way this year. Um, and again, I, I guess back to coaching, and I guess that this will be, um, pencil boys last year. Yeah, it very well could be. And uh, this is a situation where, uh, again, it's it's a volatile division. You have a number of teams that are still right there on the playoff bubble. And, uh, yes, I would reluctantly admit that does still involve uh, Detroit at this point, although uh, I, I am convinced that they will not make it and that Patricia is going to get fired. Uh, I said coming into the season, anytime you ever contemplated a, a firing a coach, a coach has looked into the abyss, you bring him back one more year, never works out. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe you could say that for Ron Rivera a few times in Carolina, but that's the only exception to the rule that I can think of as far as where it's worked out, going on in a situation where you were ready to cut bait and you didn't, so we'll see how that shakes out. The NFC South, we said coming in, this was going to be, uh, I think, a really good division. I think you and I said coming into the year, a slightly rich man's version of the AFC South, and that is basically how it's played out at this point here. Uh, I was a guy who really thought that New Orleans was going to win the division. I'm far less sure of that at this point. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, has just really, especially in recent weeks, just surged and uh, gotten made themselves into the pole position team here. They continue to add parts, including Antonio Brown offensively here, uh, an offensive juggernaut as far as skill position guys, the likes of which you don't often see. Six and two, they are leading the pack. New Orleans right there at five and two, still looking like a playoff team, although Drew Brees has had uh, some struggles at times this year, uh, particularly going downfield. And uh, so New Orleans has not been as explosive as we might have expected them to be. Carolina 3-5 and five is, I think that's probably about what a lot of us would have predicted because you look at this team, and, and again, this, this roster, the way it's turning over, not a very good team on paper, but you expect a coach like Matt Rule to lift them above their talent that they have on the roster. Matt Rule always has gotten the very, very most out of his rosters in college. I expected more of the same here. Carolina 3-5, and five, even with a three-game losing streak, looks like that team to me. The thing that would surprise just about everybody, I think, at this point is Atlanta being 2-6. and six. Some of it has been, as mentioned previously uh, in the previous segment with the L.A. Chargers, 
late game collapses. And that has been a little bit fluky, and that's why, again, you look at it 2-6, and six, but their point differential for the year is only minus 15. Uh, they've already uh, cost uh, their coach his job, and uh, Dan Quinn is uh, elsewhere here at this point. In the end, he never came back from being down 28-3. to That was the beginning of the end, and this Falcon franchise uh, has not recovered since then and has devolved into being a stars and scrubs kind of a roster, particularly defensively. Uh, but still, 2-6 and six is not what we expected. Atlanta has another rebuilding job ahead of them, and who knows if Matt Ryan at his age is going to be a part of it. But uh, this division, there have been some surprises, but maybe not as drastic the surprises as we've seen perhaps in some of the other NFC divisions, Chris. I think that I don't know what year it'll be, but I know that uh, whatever year it ends up being, I know the date in which uh, Dan Quinn will die, and that's on March 28th. Um, I, that's I too cold, that Scorpio. That's pretty clear. I think that's pretty clear. I don't know what year. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not, I'm not nonstop. Uh, but it's clearly going to be on March 28th. So yeah. every March 28th, he ought to be on the lookout. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Atlanta could, I mean, honestly, Atlanta probably ought to have three more wins than they do. Right. Um, It's unbelievable, or at least two. Even if we're conservative and give them back that Bears and Cowboys games, um, you know, they they would be four and four and right in the mix uh, for the playoff hunt. That's just an example of where, and they say that it's it's a game of inches in the NFL. It's, it's, it's two or three plays in a game that can determine the whole outcome. Yep. And, and, and if they go, go your way, it all unravels. And I told you that after week one with the Browns against the Ravens, people were clutching their pearls and wringing their hands. And I told you after that game, I said, no, there was a lot I liked. There was a lot going on there. The O line played great. I gave all these reasons. And there were like three plays that turned that game and became it snowballed on the Browns. Yeah, the fake so punt. I think the same thing. The same thing can be said about Atlanta. Right. Um, you can you can look at those two games or three games potentially and look at two or three plays and go, yeah, that was it. I mean, that was it. And and now you're you know your coach is fired and you're 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 planning for the draft. Um, Carolina is coming along. Matt Rule is going to be good. Uh, it's it's um, you know they they miss Christian McCaffrey obviously he's coming back and they're going to get a lot better and um, so I I like the trajectory of Carolina I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a little bit of a run when he comes back in the second half of this season uh, I also predicted New Orleans to win the division they still might um, you know that was just based on history although I have said now for two years and I will continue to say it. Drew Brees is running out of gas. Can everybody acknowledge it? Yes. Can everybody please just say it? It's been obvious the last two years that the second half of the season, he is, his numbers have dipped. He's it's he's been less accurate. He has struggled towards the end of the year. It's because he's old. He's just about done. They've squeezed all the toothpaste out of that tube. Um, this might be the last year for him, and frankly, I think it probably should be. Um, if he can win the division, maybe he has still has a shot at the Super Bowl. They're not done yet. They're a good team. Um, look, for all my criticism of Bill Belichick, I should have listened to the fact that, you know, the Patriots won all those games because of Tom Brady. 
Right. And we all knew that the Tampa Bay defense was good. I had them second in this division in a very close race with New Orleans. Um, they've outperformed what I expected. And Tampa Bay right now, I think, is the is probably the, the favorite to come out of the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. And wouldn't that be fun? Tom Brady in the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. And, oh, by the way, the Super Bowl's in Tampa this year. Yeah. First time ever a team could go to the Super Bowl. A Tampa Bay, Kansas City Super Bowl? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. Oh, yeah. So, um, I, I, I like, you know, look, Tampa Bay is, they're coming along. Their defense is good. They're adding weapons. Tom is clearly not done. Every time we think Tom is kind of running out of gas, you know, he's like a video game, right? He finds that health pack. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, you know, and just like Dixon, you know, you're like, you, you watch a couple games and you go, "What does it look right?" And then the next two games, he throws for ten touchdowns, and you go, "Oh, well, okay, maybe." That's right. Um, that's right. He said he was going to play. He said he was. He said he was going to play the forty-five, and by God, he clearly is going to. Right. And this, uh, I'm not sure if they call it the Arians Nation offense, but I do. But uh, it's been very successful with all the uh, skill position talent that they've had there. <laughs> oh, <geez>. oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah. Yikes. If anybody's going to go there, it would be me. But, uh, you know, oh, they've, boy. <laughs> they, they've really exceeded, I, I think, even what, what people have. There were some people picked them for the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. Uh, I wasn't one of those people, but... Uh, seeing how they have come along. Uh, and again, there are two close uh, comparisons uh, previously, the, I think, 1979 Rams and the 1984 49ers, interestingly enough, played in their home markets, not in their home stadiums, weirdly enough. The uh, the Rams played in the Rose Bowl in Super Bowl fourteen, right. lost to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yes, and uh, the... Uh, the 49ers in uh, Super Bowl 19 memorably crushed my Miami Dolphins, uh, 38 to 16, I believe it was, or, or uh, 30. I don't remember. I think 38 16. But anyways, in Palo Alto in Stanford, that was when clearly they weren't caring about. Does this stadium have enough luxury suites? Does it have enough? They were basically just handing it out to any stadium in a major market at that point. Clearly. But, uh, yes, uh, Tampa Bay, they're going to have the pirate ships there, everything for the Super Bowl. And uh, however many fans, that remains to be seen. Whatever month it'll be in, it remains to be seen. But, yes, unless it gets moved, and that has been talked about, that uh, the playoffs could take on a different permutation. But, uh, yes, presently slated to be in Tampa Bay. That should have been the jinx against the Bucks because, again, nobody ever makes it the year when it's in their stadium. But it would be the first time, and... As of right well, we now, we all know it. At some point, it's going to happen. Sure. Eventually, you know, it's going. You know, the, the, you know, it's just it's just basic odds. Eventually, somebody's going to be playing in their home stadium. Sure. Yeah, and that's you know, and there's always a first time on these things, and that's I suppose what a lot of us should have known. That wasn't the reason I didn't pick them. I picked them just because. It's just it's interesting because I'd been a skeptic the last year or two of New Orleans going over the hump, and there was just something about this year where I thought, yeah, maybe this will be the year. And because I remember, you know, when you picked them to go over the hump a year or two ago, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I see that. But I did this year, and it looks like I was wrong because, like you said, Drew Brees is just regressing 
uh, I, I think, at a, at, a, at a pace that's pretty noticeable, and that's going to cost them in the end. The NF- well, what, what, are, what are the Saints' uh, initials? N-O. Right. So, should, you ever, should you ever pick the Saints? N-O. That's right. That's right. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the Breeze and uh, Peyton Alliance, uh, they did have one Super Bowl over those years. You could look at it and say maybe it should have been more than that, but uh, they do at least have the one to point to. Uh, a, a easily a Hall of Fame career, I would say, for both of them. So it's been successful in that way. But, yes, this permutation of the Saints, I don't see it ending well this year or even next year because Drew Brees is only going to be older next year if he does come back. You look at uh, the NFC West, and when we're talking about surprises, and I alluded to this earlier in terms of my weekly power rankings that I do and, and how that slates out to by division, the NFC East has been collectively a disappointment uh, a surprise because of the level of disappointment. The NFC West is exactly the opposite of that. We knew this was a tough division. We knew this was a really good division. Every team in this division, with the exception of San Francisco, and that's been understandable because of their injuries, every single team in this division is better than we thought they were going to be coming in. Seattle at 6-1, and one, and there was something I read, I, it might have been in USA Today Sports Weekly recently, I read it somewhere, and it was just the scouting report on a game of can Russell Wilson in this game overcome Seattle's bad secondary. And I just laughed, because remember when they won the Super Bowl? I mean, it was like the Legion of Boom that carried them, and Russell Wilson was a game manager. And look at how the worm has turned all these years later. I mean, we knew Russell Wilson could be more than they needed him to be at that time. Anybody with half a brain knew that. But he is now fully actualized, and this defense is still struggling. But uh, again, they're outscoring teams. They're making late comebacks. Uh, they're six and one. They're they're the toast of the division right now. But for all of us who think that there's a ceiling on what they can do in the playoffs, that would be because of the defense. Because you have to get to a point, as Kansas City did last year, where your defense at least doesn't hurt you. Can the defense at least be mediocre and let? a truly great offense carry you? That's the question with Seattle at this point. Arizona at 5-2, and two, look, they're just they're ahead of schedule. They really are. You look at how Kyler Murray has been playing there and uh, what they've been able to make happen. Uh, Arizona, better than we thought they would be. The Rams at 5-3, and three, I think the same thing applies. They've been outstanding since Sean McVay got there, but I thought it would be a transitional year for them. I looked at it, and I, I really didn't understand getting rid of Wade Phillips, because I don't think that's generally uh, the answer. But uh, the way that they've retooled the defense and uh, schematically made the most of what they have, uh, which is, again, it's more of a stars and scrubs defense because of their cap situation, but the Rams at 5-3 and three have been better than I thought they would be. And oh, by the way, my guy Jared Goff, for as much as people have criticized him previously for his inconsistency, is more consistent this year and is really growing as a quarterback. So, uh, for, for all the teams in uh, 2016 where I thought the motto should have been turn your head and cough for golf, uh, for the Rams, it certainly worked out their way. San Francisco at 4-5, and five. part of me should have seen this coming because you never see the team that loses the Super Bowl, you never see the Super Bowl hangover coming. But it always does. It always really does. And for San Francisco... Again, that second half collapse there. Let's go back to the team portrait that they snapped with their air cameras on the sidelines when it was, what, 20 to 10. 
It's been all downhill since then. Maybe not as dramatic as 28-3, to but still, for San Francisco, it's been all downhill since that moment. Injuries really wiping out this defense. Uh, Raheem Mostert, after a great start to the season, he gets taken out a good part of the way. Now George Kittle's down. Garoppolo is down. Talk that this might be Garoppolo's last year in San Francisco. Uh, for the 49ers, life comes at you fast. And in a division like this, keeping up with the Joneses, you got to be sprinting. San Francisco is limping, and that, Chris, is why they're in uh, the, the, the gutter in the division at this point. Yeah, I, this division is as good as we thought it would be. Let me start at the top with Seattle in my epic rant against uh, their coaching, uh, Pete Carroll specifically in the preseason preview. What, what did I scream? This team is undermatched because of bad drafting and bad coaching. Yes. Uh, is overmatched because on their both their line play is terrible. Yes. Their defensive line sucked and their offensive line sucked and they were, they were holding back Russell Wilson through extremely conservative play calling. Screw you, Pete Carroll, for putting it on his shoulders in the fourth quarter to have to make a comeback every single time. Right. Because you handcuffed him all game long. Well, guess what happened this year? I go on a rant. Suddenly, the Seahawks have decided to unleash Russell Wilson right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, did he hear me, you know, call him out and call him a son of a bitch for handcuffing uh, the best quarterback in the league so much? Um, maybe. I don't know. Does he, does he listen to the Lions for? He might. Um, he might. He might. Yeah, he might. Um, so, look, that's the secret of their sauce, right? The right. back of that defense is still terrible. The defensive line is still terrible. Um two things have happened. One, the offensive line has played pretty well. So that's given them a boost. Two, they stopped with these insanely uh, uh, conservative play calling throughout a game and have done a much better job of unleashing uh, Russell Wilson right out of the gate. And, and by being more aggressive, it's paid off. So, uh, you know, good on them. Right. That, that's, that, to me, has been the story of why the Seahawks have been this good. Right. So your point, with that defense, can they get to the Super Bowl? I'd still give the advantage to Tampa Bay, but an NFC championship game of Seattle versus Tampa Bay wow. kind of feels inevitable at this point. You know, Tampa yeah. Bay versus Seattle. I mean, doesn't it feel like that's where this is going to go? Well, Green Bay's going to have uh, something to say about that, too. Green Bay's got to be in the picture. They are. Um, they are, there's no doubt, um, but Seattle or Tampa Bay has to play Green Bay to get there, I think, the way the season will probably work out. Sure. So, is, is, are you taking Green Bay over Tampa or Seattle at this point? No, I'd be taking Tampa Bay over either of them, and again, I'm not sure if it's going to be Green Bay or it's going to be Seattle that they're going to be playing against. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, Seattle again. They just they have too many holes defensively, I think. And uh, again, too many of their wins have had to be of the super dramatic nature. And uh, ultimately, they've needed every bit of that to stay ahead of uh, Arizona and the Rams. I mean, these are all teams we expected to be very good, but all potentially bubble playoff teams. But I think the degree of surprise has been collectively how much better they've been than we expected them to be, even as San Francisco has receded because of their, let's just say, Super Bowl hangover, because there's no other unifying theme there other than the injuries. Right. So, um, you know, to your point, 
Uh, back to the NFC West, uh, Arizona is way ahead of schedule. I, I honestly, uh, who who is their defensive coordinator? I, I mean, who is it? I will I will research that. I don't know off the top of my head. I know it's not Todd Bowles anymore. I can't even, well, that's why I want to ask you because I, I honestly I'm like they didn't really upgrade much in that defense, and suddenly that defense is like really good. Yeah, like I don't understand it. I've never I can't think of the last time I ever saw a defense that didn't really change personnel really at all, and, and suddenly just take a huge jump. Well, are you ready for this? I, I'm. Vance Joseph. Yeah, I'm it. Vance Joseph. <laughs> oh. I didn't remember that. Look, he was, he was a good D coordinator at one time. Right. I got to give him props, man. Right. I mean, they got basically the same personnel. Yeah, they went and drafted Isaiah Simmons, who we all love, but that guy's barely played this year. Right. Um, he has not been able to get on the field because he apparently isn't. I don't know if he's just not learning the playbook or what, but. They've been putting him in spots because he hasn't been able to start and they haven't been able to get him on the field much. Right. And yet they're a better defense. If you had said to me before the year that defense would be much better, I would have gone, ah, see that Isaiah Simmons pick. I told you. Right, right. right. Well, that's not it. That, that's not it. Um, Kyler Murray is everything that Baker Mayfield's not. Right. Meaning he's small, but he's can at least move around. Right. Uh, and and how, about the, how about the Cardinals, you know, how about making that coaching hire a year ago or a year and a half ago? Yeah. I mean, run out of Texas Tech, below 500 coach, is going to kind of get hired at USC to be the offensive coordinator because, well, he seems to know offense. And the Cardinals go and pluck him from that job and make him a head coach in the NFL. And we all at the time went, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I give credit to the GM because sometimes there are some guys that are made for college and some are made for the pros. And and he clearly is a pro uh, coach in terms of his abilities. Um, I, I didn't see that coming, so kudos to them. So, to your point, Arizona's ahead of the curve. They get more defensive talent on that team. Watch out. I mean, just watch out. They're a, they are a team that could upset a couple. They can they're a team that I could see in the NFC Championship game winning a couple close playoff games, and you wouldn't be surprised. You just wouldn't. Um, so that one is, is, is really interesting to me. The Rams are riding the ship. They're about where I thought they'd be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the defense has been a little better than I thought it would be. They've retooled. But I didn't believe the Rams would be, you know, you know we're going to be looking at a 7-9 and nine season, you know, that kind of thing again. I mean, right. I just, you think if they had enough talent that they should, the coaching is solid, they should be back into the playoff mix. And San Francisco, well, they're just beat up. They, they, they've been decimated by injuries. They're actually better at 4-5 and five than I would have guessed based on the injuries. Right. Although, again... So, to your point, that this division is the best in the league, probably is. Well... Probably San- is. San Francisco, though, yeah, they, like the Browns are getting to do in the second half of the season, are getting to sing the favorite song of every team in the NFL this year, which is New York, New York, because they played both of them. So factor that into their 4-5 and five record. Well, it's true. Um, and, and God knows we're counting on, you know, Browns fans are counting on that stretch of Texans, New York, New York, Eagles. I mean, the Browns have an opportunity to to be, you know, right back in the mix 
uh, with all their guys coming back healthy. So, that you know, the, the, there's no doubt for a lot of these teams that we've been talking about today, second-half schedule is going to determine their fate. Yep, very much so. And in looking at this here, as I said, I don't at this point favor New Orleans to come out of the NFC. I would switch that pick to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay KC in a Super Bowl, uh, to me, a real coin flip. Um, I probably lean towards Tampa Bay because outside of Brady, you got a bunch of guys that haven't done it before. The hunger factor, I would probably lean towards that being the case. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Roger Goodell would probably have to change his pants if he got a Super Bowl like that and an outcome like that, let's be honest. Right. So that's how I that's see correct. it shaking out. Is that is is that a fairly logical scenario to you? Because it sounds like you think those might be the two best teams in each conference at this point. No, I agree. I agree with you. And uh, so, yeah, so it will be a very interesting second half of the season to go full circle on how we started in our AFC picks. This is an analysis. This is going to be, of course, determinative on how we finish the season with the COVID outbreak, which is only getting worse at this point here. So I think fair to say probably more disruptions coming than what we've seen in the first half here. So that's the caveat on all of this. Who knows who's going to go down. Uh, there, There's way more than we would normally have in a midseason thing of saying all things being equal. But all things being equal, that's basically how our analysis shakes out. So uh, Chris Galloway, uh, again, appreciate it as always for you making time in your schedule uh, for this. And uh, again, always a pleasure to break down uh, the gridiron with you, my friend, and go through here. And uh, we've had an interesting first half of the season. Clearly, we'll have more of the same in the second. Looking forward to our next time we get to chat, Rick. All right, my friend. Uh, thank you again so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1303.